What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Good Life Visual Audio Podcast. I got Stu here with us. Say what's up, Stu. What's up, y'all? Kabi is in the building. Say hey. What up, dope? <laughs> and as always, I'm Chris, guys. Hey, we're diving into, again, how to design your life with extraordinary health, wealth, mindset. As always, find us everywhere that you listen uh, or watch, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere. Press a like button, share it with somebody, because as always, we're giving you value. We got some really, really good stuff to talk about today to help you get to the good life. We're doing we're it. We're doing it. We're doing it well. That's right. And it's and it happens to be my my week, I guess. Right? We're talking money today. Make it rain. Woo! We're talking rain. money. Everybody loves talking money. Or maybe they don't. Let's start with that question, gentlemen. I'm I'm in a questioning mode today, so you're probably going to get a lot of questions out of me. But do you think people enjoy talking about money or they don't enjoy talking about money? What do you think? Uh, listen, take that right off the top. I'm going to go negative Nancy on you. I'm going to go negative Nancy real quick. I think people enjoy talking about money. They don't enjoy talking about their money habits. Mm. Oh, shit. Ooh. Getting deep already. Already. Drop. Fire right in the way. Fire right off the bat, right? Just coming. So That's what you get when you get me on that go-go juice. He's on the juice. Stu, what do you think? In general, no. Because I think a lot of people are in employment situations they don't want to be in. They don't have control over changing their income until once a year they get a conversation of a performance review. Um, what I do love about South Florida, that percentage is a lot higher. There's a lot of money talks running around Las Olas. That's right. That's right. And uh, it's really, <laughs> we got to always shoddy love. <laughs> hey, Lee. <laughs> Bring it <Right>. back. <laughs> Bring it go, back. Hey. Dropping it. That's on Drop- Instagram for all of y'all who are hearing this on the recording. Uh, hop in and Instagram if you want to see the backstage. But we're going to keep this in a recording, too, because that's what we do. Keep it that's fresh. Right. That's right. Keeping it fresh, making sure, though, again, it's a great plug. Everybody that wants to get this behind the scenes, jump on our Instagram. We do this live every Wednesday night. So you might be hearing this on Monday, but live every Wednesday, 8 p.m., 5 p.m. Pacific. So... This is the backstage, Haley. Like you can't get much oh, more yeah. backstage than this. Like you can't hear right spot. Yeah, but it's all good. Came 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 to the right place. So again, money talks. Most people don't like talking about their money habits. A thousand percent right could be, but the ones that are in it, that are thinking about it, that are you know, in the game, they they want to have the conversation. They want to have the conversation. You guys know, as as a financial professional, I get a chance to lift up the hood under people's financial life all the time, consistently. And a lot of times, in my experience, people do not want to have the proper financial conversation, the proper financial conversation. Some people might want to talk about investments, the 203, the 303. They want to throw out the ideas of what they could be doing or the, the grandiose uh, real estate deal that they're thinking about doing. However, when you really get into the mechanics of money or even the education behind it or where people might be, um, have some insecurities around money, those things we push away. We don't want to have that conversation necessarily. So many people that I talk to, 
that I'm about to, or we're about to have financial conversations with, oftentimes say things like, wait until I get my stuff together before I meet with you, right? Because they're kind of, they're a little bit ashamed. They have some insecurities. They're trying to figure it out themselves before they come open it up and have the conversation with a financial professional because that conversation makes them uncomfortable. And it's okay if anybody's listening that might be feeling that a bit of like, I don't really want to talk to somebody about my money or I don't really know um, who to talk to or whatever the case is because it feels uncomfortable. We have to get rid of that. And I'm one of those people. I try to help make it easy and simple for you to talk about money because at the end of the day, we all deal with money. We all deal with it. We all have a question about it. We all have a concern about it. We all have something we want to do with it, some place we want to go. We all deal with money, but we have to start having conversation, more conversations about it, regardless of how you feel about it. You got to start having more conversations. And in those conversations of talking about money and bringing some things up about money, one of the terms that gets popped, that, that gets thrown out a lot when it, you ask people about what they're trying to do or where they're trying to go with money, one of the things that pops up all the time is passive income. I'm looking for passive income. I could probably say 75% of the people that I talk to uh, about money at some time in us talking, they bring up the words passive income, right? And I think it's, it's worth us having a conversation about what passive income is, what it looks like, what it's not. Uh, how do we even get to this place? I wrote an article back a few years back uh, in the end of 2019, going into 2020, that I said four words or four uh, phrases that we have to take out of our financial vocabulary in 2020, right? Many things happened in 2020 that we had to right, shift and adjust to. Uh, but the four words, um, one of the phrases that I said we have to take out of our vocabulary is passive income. And the reason I said we have to take out passive income is because we are getting confused as a society, as people that are um, playing in this capitalistic right arena. You have to really understand the, the language behind money and what you're saying. And a lot of times now we're using this word passive income or this phrase passive income to mean easy income, income that comes in without me trying, income that comes in without me really having to work for it. I'm just looking for passive income. I've worked my entire life. I've busted my butt at things that I really don't like and I don't want to do. So now I'm at a place where I want the money to come in easier than it has over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And that's not passive income. Passive income is not easy income, right? Passive income means you've, and could be, you said this earlier, set, you've set up a system that allows that money to flow in after you've done the work and set up that system. After you've put in the time, you put in the work and then said, you know what? I've set all of this up so that now I don't have to do that same work, but money can still flow in. That's passive income. But it's, we can't get away from the work. Can't get away from the work part. But I think the term has been misused and misconstrued a lot in society. And gentlemen, I'm curious to hear from you two about your definition of passive income and or what you've heard as what, passive income actually is you know 
and could be I think you've done a great job of breaking it down so far, and uh, I totally agree. Uh, even in my mind, for a long time, passive meant I don't have to do nothing, uh, and I'm getting this ma mailbox money. But the thing is, I got that idea from people I'm seeing that have written books or doing commercials or doing all types of stuff. And what I realized it feels really <clears throat> disclosed is that they're getting that mailbox money because one, they took a large risk at some point in time. And two, they've set up systems that are now giving them that mailbox money. So whether they took risk to, to, to build a business, which is risky, or they took risk to purchase real estate, which requires risk and capital, as does business does, uh, uh, as does starting a business in general, or they somehow acquired money and are lending it out and taking risk on that to get that quote unquote passive income. Um, <clears throat> I've listened to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, people that have money. And what I'm you know, now hearing and I agree with is that everything starts out active and then it becomes passive. So setting up that. So for me, my definition of passive income is I have something that I have built, whether I put energy into it uh, to build it, blood, sweat and tears, whether I put capital into it to build it, whether I put time into it to build it, plus blood, sweat and tears, if we're being real, or some combination of all three. And now it's paying me without me continuing to put that stuff in. That means I've now been a successful entrepreneur. And I'm getting that, um, my cut of the profit without having to go in and do it. So I, I think it's super misleading, um, but you know, it doesn't have to be misleading to you because you're listening to the good life and we got you, baby. That's right. That's right. I think uh, both of you guys did a really good job breaking it down. For me, my definition of passive income was what is the least amount of effort I can put into something and still get consistent capital coming from it? So I never, I never really viewed it as a absolute zero energy. In. I don't, I actually don't know anything out there that could even be that way. I mean, even if, even if you are talking about a massive stock portfolio that you put together, you're still going to have to check in once, twice, a quarter with your financial advisor. So there's some amount of small energy that's still going to be going into it. So I think the idea of 100% passive, no activity, no energy out, everybody should pretty much just remove that from your vocabulary, from your realm of possibilities, because I haven't seen it. Um, take it out. Just take it right out. And uh, But no matter what, and both of you guys touched on this, there has to be some type of significant energy put into that thing in order for you to get to this point of very little maintenance. And Khabib broke it down real well. Time, money, just you know, building a business, creating systems, like all of these things take a massive amount of time to get to. And I think we were having a nice chat about this uh, prior to us going live today. Depending on the industry, you can get there a lot faster than others. So I think getting really clear on what industry, what would that look like? It's a, you have to map it out well. And Chris, you made a great point earlier about how, you know, if it was really that easy to get passive income, everybody would be doing it. And I'm probably here to tell you guys that I don't think passive income can exist for every single person on the planet. So you got to do something differently. 
than what other people are doing. I want to add something real quick and then request that we uh, backpedal the conversation before we shoot it forward like a rocket. Meow. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to add that, you know, that if you you could you could end up doing something that you perceive to be passive that is not passive to me right so maybe for you making phone calls to people you don't know is light work for you it's so light work you think it's passive right for me that ain't passive as somebody who had a career making cold calls right but maybe that's really easy for you. So I think this all goes back to our age old advice of pick something that comes that you are good at, something you enjoy doing and something you can get paid for. And it could feel passive. Right. But we know, obviously, you're still putting energy into it. So I think I want to highlight that point in time. And I kind of piggybacks a stew off for your con off what you said about picking uh, about the industry. Right? For some folks, if you've ever read Prosper's Coach, it basically describes what feels like a passive business. But at some point in time, you really had to put in energy to build that network of folk, of network of people to give you referrals, where now the person is sitting there getting referrals all day. And it's like, oh, well, that looks fairly passive. Yeah, but you missed the underground work, right? And then, uh, guys, before we dive further in into um, midterm investments, uh, I, I would like, you know, maybe Chris, if you could do this kind of summarize what the steps before getting to midterm investments, I think we don't, I think that's very important and we don't want to skip that. Even if it's just as a quick one, two, three, these are the things you have in place before you get there. I think it's very critical to the conversation. Awesome. Thank you for that, man. Uh, I'll definitely go there. I, Stu, I saw you put some thumbs down to the book though. That book is very controversial to me. Um, I learned a lot from it. I was recommended to it by the people I got certified from. Um, there is a, uh, there's, there's so much to be learned about how a lot of coaches don't understand how to get off the ground running. And this really got kind of goes contradictory to what you and I and, and could be, were talking about beforehand. You do have to get out there and somehow find a way to let people know you exist and to advocate your product. Um, I think the prosperous coach has a couple of sections in there where there's like a bit of a strong arm into this is you need to work with me. I'm going to press on these buttons. There's some sales diction in there that um, doesn't resonate with me. Um, but honestly, I would recommend that book to literally anybody. I'm really glad you brought it up because I actually don't recommend it. Um, but now that we're talking about it, like there's a lot to be learned there. You may not have to agree with every piece. You may you may resonate with it. It may feel in in line with who you are and and, and, and what you want to do. But uh, I like gathering, man. I've never been much of a hunter when it comes to the sensitive things of someone's mind and psychology. There's it's very easy to to get a big ego when it comes to messing around with somebody's mind. And I think you know this probably applies a bit more to the life coaching and the mental health side of things. But uh, not every person in every industry is your friend. And that book has a lot of power behind it. And I think it should be used responsibly. Chris, have you read it? I have not. Okay, cool. Maybe we talk about it later after you've read it. So we can yeah. all give her our, our thoughts. Yeah. That'd be sick. That'd be and, really for, sick. and for everybody that's that's listening, right? Like we say it at the end of our show, right? Good press, bad press, doesn't matter. Right. So same thing about this book. Good review, bad review. 
Steve <laughs> recommend it, right? Like could be recommends it. Go pick it up, read it. Give us your feedback, right? Send it, send, send a message to us and let us know. Like, hey, this is I read the book and I agree with Stu, right? Like that she was misleading or whatever the case is. But this is how we start to get new information, process new information, take ownership of our life by uh reading and listening and hearing these these types of things that could potentially benefit your life or show you the things that maybe you don't want to do or right however that works out for you but at the end of the day reading is paramount right reading rainbow second question, how many of you, yeah how many of you guys watch reading rainbow do you watch reading rainbow guys and oh yeah for okay. sure reading rainbow i just happen to I just happened to see that you don't have to take my word for it. It's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's an Instagram, uh, sound on reels going around right now. That might be trending The Take a look. What's in that book. So yes, we need some of that. We need some of that, uh, in the good life, but take, take that step back. Like could be said and talking a little bit about the steps leading up to passive income. Right. And again, that word passive, just do not want it to be confused with easy. Just, oh, it just falls in my lap. Got to work for it. You just setting up systems like could be said, right? You got to have, you know, some capital, some things that you, that, you, that you put in place. But what happens before that point? Before you're thinking about passive income, I go back to the foundations, right? Foundations. I normally look at five, maybe six different things as foundational parts of your financial life that you then have in place so that you can start to build on it. Just like having a house. If you built a house thinking about the roof first and it's built on sand, it's going to fall down. Doesn't matter. And a lot of times, you guys have heard me say this before, we've talked about it a bunch on the show, right? 101, 202, 303 levels. This midterm investment can be a 202 or a 303 type of level. It's not a 101. And here's why it's not a 101. Because 101, first and foremost, cash flow. What comes in, what goes out? Income and expenses, pretty basic stuff. But most people don't have a handle on it. Do you know how much, you know, for many people, they don't know their discretionary income. Meaning, after you've paid all your bills and done everything in the month, how much is left over? It's supposed to be left over. Not after like the, you know, the miscellaneous stuff, but like just to keep the household running, how much is left over? That number's got to be pretty high if you want to start thinking about midterm passive investments, right? It's got to, you got to make sure you have some extra money. So we got to look at the cash flow side. Got to have short-term savings. Such a crucial part, ladies and gentlemen, such a crucial part. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over. We don't have six to 12 months worth of our income set aside labeled emergency. I know some people say three months or six months, like three months on the low end. I think, you know, some people even say a month, right, of emergency fund. Proper six to 12 months. If you get to a six months of your income set aside, you don't have to even put money in the bank anymore. Don't even worry about it, right? Because you got your cushion. But that is important before you start doing midterm investments. Before we start talking about passive income, we got to have savings. Most importantly, the habit of saving. Okay, so that's the second thing that we got to look at, short, short-term savings. Do you think gotta, people know why that's so important to have that short-term savings? Uh, I don't think, and that's a great question, Stu. I don't think people know, uh, no, I don't think people understand why it's, why it's so important, but I'll explain, right? I'll explain. It's important because long-term, 
That's what we're building for. If we're even having an investing conversation, ladies and gentlemen, investing by nature is for the long haul. It's, it's long term, right? You can trade and do things that increase your profits right away, but it's not really what we're talking about when we're in investing. You have to, anytime you use that word investing, you're putting something in right now to get a return down the line, right? So it's always going to be future. But what we don't foresee a lot of times are the hiccups of life. The hiccups of life, job loss, sickness, divorce, bankruptcy, major house bills, right? All types of things that start popping up that dip into our personal finances, right? Dip into our personal financial life. That six months worth of expenses or income, I say income, you'll hear other financial people say expenses, specifically because you know what to do with your income. Your expenses should be way lower than your income, right? So if you only save three or six months, let's say you save six months worth of your expenses, it's not going to last you six months. It's going to last you like four because you have overhead over top of your expenses that you haven't saved for. So I always say if you get to six months worth of your income, you, you know what to do with your income. You'll pay expenses and you'll have extra to still go eat dinner and do the things you need to do and not be stressed. The reason why that's important to have there is because inevitably, happens to all of us, inevitably something's gonna happen where you're gonna have an emergency and you're gonna need to dip into some money. It's gonna happen, right? Whether it's job loss, like I said, all those things. If you start investing without having an emergency fund, you will ultimately pull out of your investments. I've seen it happen over and over again. You're gonna sell the crypto. Most importantly, you're gonna get scared when it goes down because you actually needed the money. So then you're going to be right. You're going to have to pull out. You're going to right lose out on money. The whole nine. Seen it happen in real estate when people become right overly uh, invested and they aren't liquid. And now all of a sudden something happens where they need to be liquid. So they have to sell the house. They have to sell the property, right? And again, that's a part of the game, but not when you're just getting started out. Like you don't want to go into something knowing that you got to sell it in the next couple of years just to make sure that you can pay rent or pay off this bill or whatever it is. So understanding that long-term, you are going to have many financial ups and downs, many setbacks, all these types of things that will happen to you, you've got to make sure you have six months worth of your income set aside before you start talking about investing. That's why it's important. That's why it's important because you won't make it. You'll build your house. Again, this is foundational. You won't build your house when you don't have good foundation. That short-term savings is foundation. If you don't have that, you're always going to be stressed, especially if you're an employee. If you're an employee, meaning you work a job, you have no other streams of income, you just have jobs, and you don't have savings, but you're trying to invest, as soon as one of your jobs goes away, what's the plan? What's the game plan? It's, now you got to pull out of investments. Now you're like, oh, that crypto, oh, that, I shouldn't have done that. Oh. Now you're back at zero, or you're back where we started, and that's not building wealth. Does that make sense too? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for going in on it. Absolutely. But either way, cash flow, income and expenses, foundational. Short-term savings, foundational. Consumer debt, consumer debt, credit cards, personal loans, medical bills, things that pile up, right? Where, where's your debt position? Analyzing that. I'm not a stickler to be like, you know, all debt is bad debt because wealthy people build with debt. But again, 
That's a 303 level conversation. You can't you gotta repeat to- that, bro. <laughs> you got to repeat that. Not all, not all. I'm not a stickler for saying that all debt is bad debt because not all debt is bad debt. Wealthy people build empires on debt. Our country is built on debt. <laughs> Everything major that you know has massive amounts of debt. It's just a numbers game. I, you know, you've been in real estate, could be like, and Stu, I'm sure you get this, right? Like, it's just numbers when you look at investments. It's a matter of, hmm, that property, that apartment building is going to cash flow me, you know, it's going to give me a, you know, 12% cash on cash return. I'm going to get 12% from that apartment building every year. I'm going to borrow this money at 3%. So if I borrow money at 3%, and I get 12%, that's a positive 9%. If I have $300 million in debt, I'm still good because the numbers worked out. Because at 300,000, I'm not a genius in math, but like it's going to cash flow you a good amount, right? More than that debt, right? Carry the zero. Neither is Trump. <laughs> Carry a couple zeros. Yeah, right? Neither is Trump. <laughs> hey, there's Trump. Is that what you said? Yeah. Listen, it's how things are built. We just got to pay attention to understanding money, to understanding how it works. So not all debt is bad debt, but consumer debt is, is the worst debt. You paying money for furniture, credit card stuff, right? Car loans, like liabilities and things. Would you define, I, w- I would define, let me know if you agree with that. I would define bad debt as debt that doesn't bring you in more money than it takes out. Correct. That is it. Good debt is the opposite. It brings you in more money. Uh, preferably a lot more. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I, I think um, something else when, when, it, when it comes to the conversation of debt and how, you know, there's, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain interest on, on owing money. Well, if you don't have the short-term game locked down and you have to pull out a loan to take care of yourself, now you're really screwing yourself. Now, instead of getting some type of positive interest in growth, you, you, you dug yourself in the other direction. That's right. That's right. Definitely bad it goes, debt. It's definitely bad debt. And it goes back to cash flow. If you had to take out a loan for something, like where's your cash flow at? What's your, right? What's your income and expense? You got extra 500 bucks a month, extra four grand a month. Like, what is it? You might have to evaluate that too, right? So it all, like, that's why I said, this is all foundational. Most people don't get past this step. They just don't want to talk about this step right they don't want to address this part of it but this is the foundations to get to 202 midterm investment passive income you got to mat you got to master this part first you got to have this stuff down so that we can move forward so chris i want to get rich right now don't we all Stu? don't we all however not the way that it works ladies and gentlemen it's not the way that it works right we were uh I'll probably put out some of the stuff. April is financial literacy month. So uh, I'm going to talk a lot of this type of stuff, financial literacy, financial education, right? Just talking about things. And I'm going to hit different demographics and psychographics of people because everyone knows, like everybody has a different issue with money. Everybody's in a different place. You know, as a financial professional, I get a chance to help a baby boomer. Like, you know, I just had, um, you know, a potential client that's in their mid sixties, that's in that retirement red zone. Like they're done. They're like, no, we're packing this thing up. What do we got to do to wrap this thing together and sail off in the sunset? 
Let's look at the numbers. Let's play it. So I'm working with them. The, they have their own issues. They have their own issues. They're trying to get money out of the market. The market's too volatile. People that are trying to retire in the next three to five years, it's too volatile. Like they don't, they, they don't want it. So they're like, all right, how do I move it? But then you come over to a millennial. All we're thinking about is passive income, right? Is all we're thinking about is how do I grow it? How do I get there? We talk to some Gen Zers. They want to get rich tomorrow because they see it, because they're on Twitch, because they see it on social, because they see that money can come, because we just had an NFT boom, because we just had, right? Because somebody, one of their cousins did kill it in crypto. So they actually believe that like, this is possible. I can get rich overnight because many of them might have an actual example of somebody that did. So now that's going to be their belief is that, hey, I could do this. If I hit the one thing and make the one investment and do the one thing and know that, boom, I could go. But that's not always how it works either. So we got to get information and education to people so that they understand how to navigate their personal financial life. Everybody's financial life is different. To wrap up this foundation so we can get back, it's cash flow, short-term savings, emergency fund, debt, debt management. I throw in the piece for insurance, not just life insurance, but like disability, long-term care, living benefit. Actually, if people want to be very serious about it, and I'm glad, right, Kabi is here. The number, the number one cause for financial ruin in this country is a medical diagnosis. It's the number one cause. You get hit with that cancer, you get hit with that whatever. If all of a sudden you can't work and you have medical bills, financial ruin, game over, game over. And again, this is the game of building wealth. So we could talk investments all day long. You don't got a proper something covering you in case you get cancer, in case you can't work, in case like you just, your foundation isn't strong. You're one move away, one doctor visit away from it just all going away. Hence why we're doing this for all of you that are listening so that that's not us, right? That's not anyone that listens because we're going to make sure your health is good. Because again, that's how you get to the good life. You have to focus on all of these things. We happen to just be talking about money, but that's important. But for those people that aren't paying attention to that side, well, financially, make sure you have some insurance type coverage, life, disability, long-term care, something in place. Last thing we, at, for a foundational is the long-term. It's the retirement nest egg, okay? That's important. That's a 15 year plus, 10 year plus, something that you are putting away consistently and gaining compound interest from. That is your 200 to $1,500 a month. That's your long-term. That's a foundation, a financial foundation. If we get back to the investing part, short-term, long-term, and then it's midterm. So if you don't have short-term rolling, you don't have three to six months or six to 12 months of your good, and you're not close, and you're not properly funding something that's gaining you compound interest consistently for, right? Because compound interest is what will out-earn you over time. It's just a time thing. You have to keep doing it. You start early and stay consistent. That will out-earn you. So if you have both of those things set, then we can start having a midterm investing conversation where we can start looking at vehicles that could bring something like passive income. But it's not until we have those things in place that we can then start actually using our capital to put it in the midterm investment.
Did that make sense? Did that make sense, guys? Because I, I explain that to a lot of people, and sometimes they don't get it. They'll still be like, oh, okay, I, I hear you, and they'll still go put some money in crypto tomorrow. Like, they'll still do it. <laughs> and, like, I get it. Like, it's attractive, and it's an invest. I get it. But long term, you're just gambling because you have no foundation. As soon as the economy flips over, seriously, like, we don't know what's happening with the war and all the stuff. But as soon as it happens, like, people aren't going to be in a good spot. I'm going to talk about a midterm investment today of real estate because that's what a lot of people know. A lot of horror stories. Other side of it also is, you know, 10 million, you know, foreclosures are about to go up, right? People are in a, the best financial position, as people think, like foreclosures are about to come down the pike. Biden pushed it off a bit, but it's coming. Why? Because people aren't financially prepared for what's coming up. They just want to talk passive income. <laughs> The least of it's the least of your worries right now for most people but we got to start talking about foundation so what do you guys got from that could be did that answer kind of where where we're going with that oh yeah absolutely absolutely i think it's worthwhile to set that foundation before we move on and talk because like you said <clears throat> we have a tendency to skip steps as humans that's it that's very true you mentioned um you mentioned the element of gambling i think when individuals are you know, in previous episodes, you've always talked about how money is such an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that emotion overrides some of these, these folks who like, you know, you hear Chris's plan, you hear the fundamentals, like you hear what you should be doing and why it's the safest way to accumulate wealth over time. But there's so many emotions that get in the way. And I think one thing you can do to combat your emotions, one thing you can do to combat your emotions, Stay hydrated. That was the juice, y'all. That was the juice. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that point about the medical diagnosis. I was like, "Listen, you want to get rich, get healthy first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, he's got a point, especially because uh, we were just talking about the, an example of somebody that uh, that unfortunately got kidney stones, and that's expensive. That's an ER visit, all kinds of stuff. And here we are. I thought. Oh, I, did, I thought you heard that earlier. Um, and hydra hydration is key. Easily, easily avoided. Agreed. Easily, agreed. So instead, instead, that's a that's a big that's a big financial expense. But long story short, you combat some of this emotion emotional nature with logic. What's some logic that I think a lot of people can pay attention to? How many decades have people been trying to gamble with the lottery, only to come out with nothing? Just a whole lot of spent money on lottery tickets. Like when you hear about people making it in crypto or all these other types of things overnight, you have to recognize that they're like one out of a million, one out of 10 million. It's very, very rare. And just please like just look at some statistics over all the people that are doing it and just how few actually become successes overnight, because that's not a successful model. That's a one in a million chance. That's right. Or right like that and or right they this isn't their first rodeo you yeah think, you think they hit it big on this but they've been trying everything and wasted so much money over the past five ten years that like this just made up for what they lost right but we don't know we don't know those things we only see the winners of the lottery we only see the high score at the casino right yeah. the, big, the big payout we don't we don't see all the other stuff it's why we have to expose it. It's why we want to talk about it because 
you have to have uh, an awareness of actually, you know, what you're doing with your money, but also what's happening around you with money in order for you to get to the place you want to be. You got to, you have to have an awareness. You have to know it, that it's, you know, lottery. I used to tell people lottery is a tax on the poor. <laughs> lottery is because where does all the money go? To the government, <laughs> the, the, the state, it's the state lottery, right? I live in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania state lottery. So every time you give them a dollar and you don't win, Pennsylvania state got that money. <laughs> The people that play the lottery are people that are poor typically. So the lottery is a tax on the poor. They just don't know that. They think they could hit it big. It's gambling. 1,000%. It's so sad. Now, okay, so now you've got your foundation in place. One-on-one complete. Let's go to to the midterm. There we go. So you've heard me talk about this before. But midterm investments are normally going to be your two to 10 year investment, not your long term, not your 401k, not your IRA, not your SEP IRA, not your cash value insurance, not sitting in the bank, not in a money market account or a CD. Two to 10 year investment typically coming across one of the asset classes. We'll go over it again, right? Asset classes, typically five of them, maybe a sixth one if cryptocurrency does its thing, whatever that is. You got cash, you got equities, which is ownership of a business. You got fixed income, which is loaning out money. You got real estate, ownership of property or land. And then you got commodities, gold, oil, silver, that type of stuff, chickens, oranges, that stuff, right? (laughs) Listen, there's a market for everything. Of course, (laughs) me and Marshawn Lynch been counting our chickens for a long time now. (laughs) Marshawn's in the, like he, he for real, is in that game though, isn't he? Like, doesn't he do something with like chickens? I'm not quite sure if he does uh, actual chickens or not, but I just gotcha. know he does straight cash in a club out in Oakland that is straight fire. <laughs> Got you. Well, anyways. Maybe it's Seahawks. Ain't he, 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 he a weed business. Yeah, I know that. I know that for sure. And again, right, these, talk about, talk, talk about the cannabis industry, right? They're so, these are all midterm type of investments. By the way, the two that I always hone in on real estate and equities you can get you can get to the fixed income side meaning when you loan out money when you lend out money you want to become a hard money lender you could you need capital to do that but in general uh you know you you, you could actually get percentage points just by loaning out your money and then the commodity side also right most of us most middle american mid, middle income people we're not tapped into the commodities market you don't we know gas prices went up, but you've never looked at really how to purchase oil, how to purchase crude oil. Like you, you don't really know anything about that side of things. And that's the commodity side. Tons of money in it. Could be might know. Maybe could be knows. <laughs> I, do, I do love me some crude. <laughs> right? Shout out to the OGs that put me on though. They got to be OGs. They have to be because most people don't get into that side. Most people literally think, they're just going to either invest in the stock market or invest in real estate. That's what most people think, right? Those are like the limited options. What was that? Is that still a condom? Trojan. Two individuals here, right? Two totally frames of mind, states of mind. 
two totally states of life. One man says, Sell I like, I like investing. Come. I like investing in my health. Okay. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. No, brother, that is that is silver, baby. That is silver. For the record, Good I knew it wasn't that. Was like, <laughs> eagle. Silver. Is it? There we go. Right. And and Kabi, we, we talked about this on the on another episode like a, a, a couple of weeks ago that like there's a difference in like holding on to a commodity like gold and silver and investing in right commodities as an asset class, like investing in an oil well or investing in a gold mine or right like those those become a different type of uh, investment inside the asset class, holding on to the commodity, the gold, the silver, those things. Right. Those things had stores of value right like they hold value but you want to get there. that's why i said this is like this is kind of like the 303 side you really want to get yeah. into commodities you really have to get around an og you got to get around someone that's in the industry you got to get around somebody that knows what's going on on that commodity side but typically equities and real estate equities and real estate are those passive are the, i want to say passive <laughs> those are the midterm investments the midterm investments <laughs> the two to ten year investments that can literally build your wealth. They can lit like that's what a midterm investment is there to do. When I break it down for some people, some people midterm investments are just about having a fun fund, right? Like I say, you want to travel, you want to get an RV, you want to do something. All right, fine. You're just kind of saving and investing to get to a place in like five years where you can purchase something. That's fine. The other side of midterm investments for people that are serious, they want to build wealth. You do it in your midterms. You do it in the two to 10 year. You need a specialized knowledge. You need to understand something about real estate. You need to understand something about business or equities. You need to have a deeper knowledge than what the average person would have if you want to go invest in those things. So let's just stick with real estate and stick with equities. Okay. Real estate. If that is, that is a midterm investment, it could be long. I was having this conversation with somebody. They were like, no, Chris, it could be long. I was like, well, there are some circumstances. Yeah. You're buying an apartment building. You're buying something that's a, that's 30 years out. You know you're keeping that thing. Well, then sure, that's a little bit of a more of a long-term play for, you know, cash flow. It's great. Midterm, two to 10 years means you're evaluating this every few years because you're just trying to increase increase your, your, your wealth, right? You're trying to increase that, that net worth. So normally, it takes a few years. If we talk real estate, you got to get some specialized knowledge around what sector of real estate you would like to invest in, right? Real estate's very broad, but do you have education? Do you have knowledge on exactly what part of real estate you want to invest in? Are you a buy and hold type? Are you a fix and flip type? Do you want to go commercial? Do you want to go in the city that you live in? Do you choose to do land? Do you want to go after tax liens? Do you want to go after foreclosures and short sales? Do you prefer to buy apartments? Do you prefer to, right, buy strip mall? Like you have to get educated about what's out there. And again, this is not gambling, this is education because you should have your long-term and your short-term already running, right? So there's no pressure in these. And Chris, if I may on, on real estate here a little bit, yeah. you know, I think you're totally right in that it's midterm, and I think the other, whoever was saying long-term, I, I also completely agree as well. It's based on a number of factors, really. Like, how are you holding it? How are you purchasing it? And what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. And 
<clears throat> I think a lot of people get confused in real estate. Uh, in my opinion, most of the time, real estate, you know, well, let me let me start here. I think in the me medium term, you, you it, it's even more important that you have specialized knowledge or that you really know what you're doing because you can get burned in the medium term, long term, based on what I have in my head here, real estate, at least in the United States, based on what I know, uh, is a little less riskier than midterm, right? Midterm, you can, I mean, it's it's not that liquid, right? I mean, you still have to go through a process to liquid, to, 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 um, to, um, to what is the get, term? It's not liquidified. Yeah, liquefy or, or to liquidate, liquidate, to liquidate, liquidate or to get your yeah, equity liquidate out. It, right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're looking, that's where people get into the flipping. That's where people get into um, wholesaling. That's where people get into fix, uh, yeah, fix and flips and things of that nature. Obviously, that requires a good amount of knowledge. Um, the Burr method, the Burr, Burr method, method, right? Um, B R R R, I think three R's, I think right? I think it's three. Buy, buy, uh, renovate. Uh, refinance or buy, rehab, remodel, buy, buy, re rehab, uh, rehab. I just looked it up. Refi. And the last one is refinance. Re rent, rent, what is the refi. middle? Rent, rent, refinance. It's rent, yeah. refi, right? And right. repeat. And repeat. So there's a fourth R. There we go. Is there four R's? Yeah. Yep. According oh, to the cool. internet, that's all I got. Yeah. Cool. Fair enough. Yeah. There you go. Biggerpockets.com. If you want to check that out, that makes. Love I'm it. sure they dive quite a bit into that. Then you got, um, you know, this this uh, with the midterm side, two areas that I have quite a bit of interest in. What I'm probably going to be attacking, not probably will be attacking, as uh, I have an expertise in probate, and it's something that I worked with a man on for or one of my broker a broker on for a long time, and um, it's something that can serve both short and long. I mean, medium and long, in that. <clears throat> You have an ever green pool of individuals you could help. And as a result, you do mutually beneficial deals. Uh, another area that's of interest to me is uh, land flips uh, or land in general uh, moving forward. Um, so if you're ever interested in that stuff or you're doing that and I can learn something from you, please let me know. Cause that's definitely, I'm, I'm very interested in those two areas in particular long-term for me, multifamily first, and then even longer term would be commercial because I think commercial is getting smacked in the next uh, decade or two. <laughs> I ain't touching that. Um, but as soon as everything turns around because everything is cyclical, I'm very interested in touching that stuff. So, you know, that's that's just my honestly, that's really just me liking to talk about that stuff, L less any sort of advice, of, obviously, but those those would be my examples of medium term real estate long term real estate i don't touch things like reits i don't like them i don't touch things like um well i'm in a condo REITs, now but reits reits are technically equities okay well okay cool i don't well, like them I don't, <laughs> I, i'm not a big fan either but technically and for people that don't know it's a real estate investment trust that's what it is basically instead of you investing in the physical property you're investing in the company that owns the properties or the pool mm -hmm. of companies that own the properties and so through that 
you're getting a share basically. But where, where would you put um, like funds? Equities. Equities. Okay. Hmm? I, I'm shaky on funds moving forward just because I see something similar in the sense of like, everybody feels like, Oh wait, everybody, everybody can get a loan. Right. Um, now I feel like everybody feels like real estate is the way to go and the way to hide some money or the way to flee to. So anybody with a fund is getting money. Like it's so easy to raise money now with a fund. And I'm not quite sure all of these people actually know what they're doing. Uh, in the end of the day, right. Exactly. God bless you, Grant Cardone. But I don't, I don't, mm, I mean, come on, man. That man is making such an impact in my city right now. Oh, I bet he has he has he has raised property values in some instances anywhere from 150 percent to 200 in six months. Um, literally, like driving out very wealthy uh, upper 20s, lower 30s individuals for who even knows who can afford that. I, I don't know. I'm not going to spend 90 percent of my paycheck on rent, but <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. You know, when it comes to the real estate piece, I've always shied away from the uh from the from flipping etc i think if i found the right group of guys maybe i would do it i mean i literally have a construction background i kind of i understand how that stuff works i just love long-term real estate man it's such a beautiful little nest egg um specifically since we've kind of touched on some things that we have experience in for me with real estate it's uh long-term condos and just renting them out if you can if you can increase your rent faster than they increase the condo fees you're good but that's a pretty that's a pretty big if you got you got to know what you're doing on that one and i definitely did not at first which means it took about five years for this thing to become even i can only wait for the next five years when it's highly profitable yeah and let's not forget right i mentioned this earlier i'll play negative nancy for i'm gonna second. go negative nancy Hit real it. quick who's gonna be positive baller <laughs> well right now i'm playing negative nancy right real estate's especially long-term, there's so many ups and downs and so many things that could go wrong. I told you guys about a story of a lady that had, you know, the, the, the nightmare tenants, right? The tenants that come in, they don't pay or they pay for two months and they stop paying. And many, many cities, uh, and I can't really say many, but I know there's a large percentage of them uh, that they lean towards the tenant over the landlord, meaning the laws favor the tenants over the landlord. Now it's different all sure. across the country, right? It's different in every jurisdiction, every city, every state's a little bit different, right? Philadelphia for sure favors the tenant over the landlord. Well, San Francisco, I don't think there's a better example. There than that's disgusting. I hate there it. Go, right? I, so like- cannot cannot stand that idea. So as soon as like they're protecting renter, I mean, look at guys, what we just went through with the renter's protection and them not having to pay money to landlords for years don't forget landlords you're looking at one okay like we don't actually have like millions and millions of dollars you guys make us out to be these overlords like some of us actually had to pay a mortgage so that idea i can't stand it it is so much easier for you to move to a less expensive property for me to replace you than for me to undo my mortgage yeah Yet all the risk in those situations is on me. So, yeah. so again, like you said, it could be a great long-term nest egg. However, it's not going to come with like smooth, I just set it and forget it. 
passive income, right? Just super. I, absolutely. Easy. First two years were battle. Absolutely true. And I think this is where the knowledge comes into play. And we can't underestimate that. You know what I mean? But every every one of these asset classes we're talking about has risk that requires knowledge for you to take on. And if you got to pick which risk applies to you. Right. Because, you know, there's a lots of ways to mitigate that tenant risk. Right. Mm -hmm. It's making sure you get the proper legal paperwork before Contract. you even sign things in, into place. Right. Amen. You get the right, right, right tenant. Right. You didn't have to bring that tenant in if you didn't do a proper check on them. Right. You could get, you know, so there's a lot of different things you could put into play. And this is where the 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 knowledge and the, uh, comes into play. The, the what makes it not passive at first. Mm -hmm. Right. But as you mitigate risk, you know, as you mitigate, you don't have just one door. Right. It's like it's like owning one stock. Why, why would you, why would you do that? You don't have one door. You start to get 10 doors, 20 doors, 30 doors, 40 doors, and you mitigate risk that way. Uh, in addition to other ways of mitigating risk, that's when you can talk about it being, you know, that's when you can talk about the positive side uh, mm -hmm. of real estate. So yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of risk that should be made clear because there's a lot of people out there today that are making it seem like, oh, it ain't nothing. You know, you get you a door, you get you two <laughs> doors and you and your family eating you out in the boat in Jamaica and good luck, the rent coming in. Right. So it's not like that. It's not like that. Right. Um, you know, same thing for, for the midterm. You know, you guys chime in. I love to know. But for me, what I like is definitely real estate, but certain type of real estate that I have experience with. Not just all different types of real estate, but certain type of real estate I've experienced in, and um, and makes sense. Uh, uh, um, large large cap dividend paying um, stock, like in uh, specifically ETFs index, right? Pop a little in there, see, see where it goes. Those are the things I feel more comfortable with, right? Yeah. And honestly, that's probably it <laughs> for me. And it's fine. And equities and, and my own business. Right. My own business. But it shows because you have knowledge in those areas. That's why you feel comfortable with it. So you can put money there and you'll sleep well at night, knowing that you put money in the right in, in, in the places that were right for you. You know, that's where the specialized knowledge comes in, guys. We can't skip over this step. We just we hear a lot of things, but do you take the time to learn about it? You know, nah, not at all, <laughs> no, not at all. And I just recommend it because y'all can learn about it right here every Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Learn about it here. We'll give you resources. There's so many resources. Like, man, this could probably be a different conversation, guys, where we could talk about like how people don't know how to learn because of school, right? School taught mm. us how to like, right? Think clip that, Ash. That's a different Ash, episode. Clip that. Different episode. We need that. God, but we could spend so much on that. But we could. But it's just true. Like, people don't know how to learn. With outside of the institution of school, outside of like that building, they forget how to like actually take 10 hours and study something. <laughs> like and sit at home and read the book. Just because you don't have a test coming up, your test is life. It's your bank account. Bar! Right? That's that's the test. So how much you studying for it? That's what the specialized knowledge is for, for you to be able to get to passive income, right? Go full circle back to this conversation of passive income income right and uh <laughs> <laughs> distracted we're wrapping this thing up i don't know if this guy can 
hold his fluids. <laughs> Listen, guys, I gotta be honest with you. We don't hide things on the show here. I'm on a solid food vacation juice feast, and the juice is running. <laughs> Listen, I hope you gonna, learned a lot from the show, but we got to go. <laughs> we're, we're gonna wrap, we're gonna wrap this thing up right now. Uh, Stu, I don't know if you have it. If you could take us out, I don't know if Kabi is in a place to be able. Oh, I got you. I got oh, you. Got he's he's got ready it. then, ladies he's and gentlemen. We love you. It. We love you. You ain't gotta go, but you gotta get out of here. <laughs> that is it for us <laughs> today. And if you guys like what you heard, make sure you subscribe, 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 smash that like button. Tune in next Monday or Wednesday if you're live with us on Instagram and share, share, share this episode with somebody that's climbing the ranks and they may or may not like it. That's okay. All press is good press. And until next time, keep living a good life. We out of here, baby. <laughs> Hit that bathroom, bro. We're out. <laughs>